0: Hey everybody, Ryan Molly here and, uh, just really excited about tonight's guest. Um, he's a local entrepreneur, businessman. Um, he does video production for his kind of full-time job, but, uh, literally he's such an interesting guy. All the different things he does from hunting, fishing, uh, I was playing professional golf for a while. Um, I've known him for well over two decades. Um, our paths kind of diverged, um, at a certain point in our lives and careers when I moved to Detroit, but they reconnected and, um, you know, he's just a, a great guy. You're going to find his story fascinating. Um, and you know, I can't wait to introduce him. His, his name is Jay Watoski. He's a local from the Titusville, Pennsylvania area, the birthplace of the oil industry. And, um, you're going to want to stick around till the very end too, because for the Sawbones challenge, um, it's a little different tonight than what we've ever done before, but it's what it's all about. Keep it fresh. Keep it exciting. So.
1: See
2: you in a bit. Take care. All nurses to the nurses station. Lawless country people are real close family. At least some of my. Kids When that doctor asked them Son, how'd you get in this condition They says, hey, soft bones I'm just a-carrying-on-it-old family tradition They want to know, Doc me all about
0: it doc hey everybody welcome to hey sawbones my story my passion so first things first i want to welcome you guys and i really can't wait to tell you guys the story of how my guest that's here today and i met and also just to share his story amazing guy amazing friend husband we kind of were, I'd say, disconnected for maybe 15 to 20 years, reconnected through some video projects, and uh, lo and behold, uh, kind of picked up right where we left off. Um, he now has a um, a company that does a lot of filming, editing, and he actually edits Hayes Sawbones. So without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce and welcome and get a good uh, conversation and to share the story of Mr. Jay Watowski. So...
3: Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you know the format of this because you've edited all the episodes. I've seen every second. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see and and some of the back. There's not a lot that you edit out, but just some of the little things. I, I've more recently started having conversations with the camera. Like when we're done with the segment, mm-hmm. where I'll be talking to you, which is kind of fun. So even yeah. though you're here, I'm talking to you right there, Jay. Yep. But uh as you know, we always like to hear a little bit of uh, kind of the who you are, where you're from. I know a little bit about this, but let's tell our viewers who you are, where you're from.
3: All right. So um, you said it. I'm Jay Watoski. I'm uh, I'm a Northwestern Pennsylvania guy. I was born and raised in Titusville. Um, I live there now, actually, but moved away for a while. Um, came back uh, probably 12 years ago or so. Um, and you know, it's just, it's a great place to raise a family. It it's hard to beat. Yeah. The winners aren't that great, but I mean, there's worse things, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. So, um, I've done that and now entrepreneur business person in the production world and I love it. You know,
0: you've had some phases of your life and career. I mean, so, you know, right after you went to Titusville Mm -hmm. high school, graduated in 1998. Yep. 98. And then, uh, did you go to Liberty? Yep. Then
3: I went to Liberty. Um, I actually went to Liberty and played golf there. Um, and, uh, where is Liberty too? Just for Liberty is in, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. So they call it central Virginia, but It's really, like, south-central Virginia, um, about an hour north of the North Carolina border. So, uh, like, right between, like, Roanoke, Richmond, and Charlottesville. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was down there, played golf, um, and uh, then turned professional and played golf professionally for a while. And... At liberty,
0: because you went to like a golf academy, didn't you? Yeah,
3: after afterwards. Yeah. And um Is that Myrtle Beach or Yeah, that was in Myrtle Beach, which you came down. Yeah. Um, I think one of your spring breaks. Yeah. You came down and um let's see, you, Ben Caldwell and Maddie. Maddie Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody else?
0: I don't think so. I think it was I think it was the three of us, right?
3: Yeah, I I think so. Um I do remember like the last hour and a half of your ride. I remember walking out of my condo to come meet you guys and your car smelled awful. And I was like, what the heck is going like? Why is your car smell so bad? And something had happened with your tail lights on the way down. And so like your blinkers weren't working or anything. So, like, for the last hour and a half of the drive, you had to, like, rest your foot on the brake pedal. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. (laughs)
0: Because I think it was, like, nighttime, too. Yeah, it was. It was, like, 11 o'clock,
3: like, when you pulled in. And it was, yeah, you had rode the brake pedal lightly just to be able to keep your light on. And, hey, you you got there. We we figured it out, right? Country
0: boys figure out solutions. I Mm -hmm. mean, I needed new brakes when I got back to Pennsylvania, but. Yep.
3: So yeah, I was there, um, in Myrtle beach. Then after that, uh, found myself in South Florida in the West Palm beach area, kind of like where all the golfers go, who are trying to make something. And, um, it was nice, you know, it's, it's great if golf is your thing and you want to work, you know, but, uh, it, it never felt like home to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I actually always had an interest in video production. It was never something that like I did full time. It was more of like a hobby thing for me. Um, you know, like when I was a kid that was back in the VHS days and we would basically steal our parents VHS camcorder, go out in the woods, do whatever we did and just shoot things. But like, I never thought I would make anything of it. And, uh, a friend and I got together and we wanted to go on a hunting trip and, um, he knew stuff about camera operation. I knew stuff about editing and we kind of formed this like little makeshift business. Um, while I was still playing golf and kind of the stars aligned, our, very first project we did a commercial that aired on national television and then it just kind of awesome commercial for uh it was actually for an archery um accessory company okay for an arrow rest and it was on the outdoor channel the sportsman's channel and then um a couple weeks later we got phone calls for more projects and and it just kind of like grew out of nothing um and is that, that
0: the, is that the same company that you have now?
3: Uh, no, I kind of like branched off later on because we were know super, super niche down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt there were greater opportunities elsewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, kind of just moved out of that arena a little bit, but all of this was happening while I was still playing golf. Wow. And, um, you know, playing golf, it's great. It, you know, I loved it. I've got some great friends and had some phenomenal experiences, but, uh, being on the road 35, 40 weeks a year just wasn't my thing. And it, uh, you know, just kind of took a toll on me. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't enjoy this anymore. Um, this little kind of makeshift business that was formed was, starting to do things so that was kind of my freedom day you know in a sense to be able to just go off and
0: so how long have you been doing video production like full uh
3: since 2009 oh wow
0: so yeah quite a quite a long time now yeah Mm -hmm. so 14 yeah going on 15 years yeah Yeah, that's awesome yeah when did you form your current company
3: my current company I formed in 2015. Okay. So the other stuff we did from 2009 till 2014, late 2013. Okay. And then, you know, it took me some time to put everything together on, you know, how I was going to now attract new clientele in totally different arenas than than what I was accustomed to. So yeah, you're pretty broad now.
0: I mean, yeah. From yeah. hunting stuff to um, yeah. medical stuff to t- I mean. tourism <laughs> to yeah, I'm I. We you do that all from t- Titusville, Pennsylvania, yeah, which really isn't a film mecca. Yeah. <laughs> so at one time it was an oil mecca, yeah, right?
3: yeah, it's not much of a mecca for anything, but you know, in today's day and age, like I can work for we can do work for a client across the country and like really never have to meet face to face um yeah in the last year i've done several videos for different clients where a product comes in do everything right there whether it be indoor studio outdoor whatever it may be um finish the project hit a button they get it and yeah, you know, we never have to meet, but yeah. you know, makes it kind of nice. You don't have to live in New York City or LA California, or California. Yeah. yeah, so yeah.
0: so it's easier for your family. You yeah, because I mean, you, your family, you're from that that Titusville area. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, as, as you know, again, you're familiar with this, but you, you thirsty? Yeah. A L- Little beverage break before we go into the Q and A session. Yeah, sure. So I'll take a as think. always, I I always ask my guests, hey, what do, what do you? What do you like to drink, or what are you looking forward to drinking? And I was not disappointed with Jay's um, choice tonight. It's a Pennsylvania staple, oldest American brewery, and you guessed it, folks, Yingling Lager. So let's bring it out. All right, let's do it. And if you want, while I'm getting this ready, you can tell a little bit of, I mean, remember, my mom's watching. <laughs> you got some kids watching, but if there's any fun PG versions of Yingling stories that you can, you can share.
3: <laughs> so, um... In all the drinks that we've had together, and I said this to you earlier, like this is probably the one beer we've consumed the most of together. Definitely. Yeah, I mean we've uh, we've consumed a fair amount together, <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is probably the most. And uh, I don't know if we need to go into details, but I'll say. When we went to Dave Matthews, that was my first Dave Matthews concert. I don't know if it was your first Dave Matthews concert. Hard
0: to remember because I've been to so many. Yeah. But uh But the next one that you went to kind of felt like your first one too, because you probably didn't remember too much from the first yes, the and, first one.
3: And this this played a a starring role <laughs> in in our stories from that night.
0: Three River Stadium too. Yeah. Right before it was mm-hmm. imploded. Well, cheers. It was and
3: actually there. the last concert.
0: Was it really? In Three Rivers, yeah.
3: Yeah, so. What year would that have been? Was that oh, oh, 01 or 02? Two, oh, two, somewhere around there.
0: Okay. But I mean, because we met probably, was it 99-ish?
3: Yeah, probably around there, yeah. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. both
0: uh, dating Titusville girls that happened to go to Mercyhurst. Mm-hmm. And we're roommates, so we spent a lot of time together when I was at Mercyhurst, and you yeah. come back from Liberty mm-hmm. for the weekend or whatnot, and uh, yeah, just formed a fast friendship from playing the game, which yeah. is a football game that we kind of created out yeah. the, um the Briggs apartments on uh, Briggs Avenue at, at Mercyhurst. So Good times. The, lots of concerts mm-hmm. and 21st uh, birthday parties, things like that. So. <laughs> yeah. We definitely won't go into that story. Yeah,
3: yeah, that one's uh, not one that that's, that's I want in the to, vault. <laughs> want my kids to hear.
0: So um, again, you know the format Q and A session. If you want to yeah. ask me three business, then three personal. You know the veto thing, and you know that no one's done it yet. So yeah, I doubt you'll be the first. Yeah, I, I'm pretty open. I'm not <laughs> worried
3: about it. So, um, so I'm gonna go right into. Mm-hmm. The hip and knee question. Okay. So, and um, it's kind of a two parter. I didn't want to waste uh, one of my questions. I didn't want to waste two of my questions. Kind That's of fine. The same you thing. can wrap so, it up in two. So, um,
0: you're a rec- post production guy, so yeah. you can kind of do whatever yeah. the you want. Or-
3: <laughs> okay. So, so, recently I was talking to somebody, they have a close friend who um, have they've been in pain for a long time. I don't know if it's knee. I don't know if it's hip. I know it's lower extremity, knee or hip. Um, and they've kind of been feeling like, yeah, I think I'm too far gone to uh, to do anything about it now at this point. Um, so part one is, is there ever a situation where somebody's too far gone because they've been waiting too long. And then on the flip side of that for younger people who are active and all that type of stuff, um, is there anything that can be done in your younger years to prevent or not prevent, but we'll say save the dude. life lifetime of their natural joint. So yeah. I guess that,
0: So, so part one, um, the, the simple answer is what I tell my boys all the time. Where there's a problem, there's a solution. I, I don't ever remember, and I've done uh, over 10,000 joint replacements in my career. I don't remember ever telling a patient that something could not be fixed, that it was too far gone. It may make it much more challenging to fix it, but again, literally, where there's a problem, there's a solution. Um, if we needed to, we could replace the entire femur with, with metal. Not ideal, um, especially in younger patients. But um, so, yeah, it just you, you want to get to it when you, you obviously don't want to do it too early, right? You, you, the person needs to be at the right point, um, not only from an x-ray standpoint, but they've tried simple things and their life is compromised and, and, and they're sacrificing things and uh, they're starting to gain weight, becoming depressed, things like that. But for those people that have waited a long time, maybe they're in a wheelchair, we can still fix the joint. The harder part is getting them out of the wheelchair. I can't make someone stronger by doing a hip or knee replacement. So their recovery is going to be a little bit longer and and more is going to be demanded of them afterwards and their therapist to, to kind of get them mobile again. And for rheumatoid patients, if you're a rheumatoid patient and you've spent over one year in a wheelchair, the chances of you ever getting out of a wheelchair is almost next to nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that there's still not a role for a joint replacement because the first, second, and third goals that I have for hip or knee replacement is get rid of pain, get rid of pain, and get rid of pain, right? I I, I tell people I'm not shooting to get you more motion. Oftentimes, you will get more motion. I certainly can't make you stronger, but I want to help get you out of pain so that you can live your life. Second part of that question was kind of, is there something that we can do to maybe uh, prolong the inevitable of, of a joint replacement or prolong the life of the existing native joint? And, I mean, there's simple things out there. Um, I mean, if you know that you have hip arthritis or know that you have knee arthritis, maybe just changing your activities a little bit from, you know, wear and tear type of, like, say, if you're a runner, but you still want to stay fit, maybe swimming or biking where you don't have that constant weight-bearing pounding on those joints. Um, There's some loose evidence that if you take glucosamine and chondroitin, it's certainly not going to regrow cartilage. Once that cartilage is gone, the cartilage is gone, but um, you can help preserve any remaining cartilage that is left by some of these vitamins or supplements, but there's no magical bracelet, joint juice, injections, pills, supplements that are going to kind of reverse the wear and tear, but it may help to kind of allow you to live a little bit longer before you need a joint replacement.
3: Great. What
0: else? So, um,
3: you know, marketing isn't all that I do, but it's something like I'm, I'm drawn to. So um, with you just recently celebrating your freedom day, um, I've always wondered when you came, when you were back to Pennsylvania, cause I know like you used to go out when you were in Michigan and you would do like little seminars, mm-hmm. even at the Panera Bread, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, when you came back to Pennsylvania and after you left the practice or the group that you were with who they're a pretty well-established group yeah. in, in Crawford County, um, what did you do to bring patients to you? Because obviously, you know, it wasn't just you like running an office, you automatically needed X number of staff working with you. So you needed to get it rolling in pretty quickly. Yeah. What, what did you do to get out there to get people to buy in that Dr. Molly was where they needed to go. Whole health was where they needed to go. So kind of like go backwards and what did you do there? So
0: um, real quick kind of timeline, 2015, I moved back to Pennsylvania late November. Uh, Actually moved back in October, 2015 Um, so I had two months with uh, Dr. Friendak before he retired December 31st of 2015. So we overlapped only two months. And when he left, he was gone, right? So he kind of established and created a very, very solid foundation for arthroplasty or hip and knee replacement in Northwest Pennsylvania, in particular, the Crawford County area, Meadville. Um, so I, I owe a tremendous amount of um, gratitude, appreciation, respect uh, to him. And I, I've told him this many, many times. Um, and and when I kind of stepped in there in November, we we overlapped for two months. The concern was that um, he was doing probably 700 joint replacements per year at that point, a ton. And the concern from the group, from the hospital, was that those numbers were going to plummet. And And I'm not... Trying to get too businessy, but mm-hmm. like you need that volume, you need those numbers for the group to work, for the hospital to work without taking major financial hits. Um, so I was I was committed I w- to like I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to prove these people that I can do this. Um, I can continue to, to um, offer tremendous first class service with hip and knee replacements. Um, and this is not a, a dig, a, a Doctor Friendek at all, but but. To, bring that level up even more right mm-hmm. and some of it was just what i was doing right like direct anterior hip replacements he was never doing that he learned that later he came in and studied became a student he came into my OR for two straight months wow. in 2017 right before he decided to come back in 2018 when i started whole health and he became a student of anterior hips and uh, he now does anterior hips as well he was doing more of a traditional direct lateral approach um and I did partial knees, which you know he, he had done a couple early on in his career, but was more of a total knee machine. Did some hips, but was more of a, a, a knee replacement surgeon. So um, bringing in new techniques that weren't being done, not just in Mevo, but in Northwest Pennsylvania, no one, even to this day, no one's doing direct anterior hip replacements. They may say they are, but um, they're, they're learning. They're on the very cutting edge, the, the first part of that growth curve, which is frustrating. And there's... Potential, lot of complications that occurred mm-hmm. during that learning curve. And then there's some people that kind of um, tell people that they do it, but they maybe do it 5 or 10% of the time, whereas I do it 99.9% of the time. same does with Dr. Friendick. So offering new th- services that were not being done before and then continuing with my patient education right i needed to get out there and let my patients know that first and foremost i was about quality of care and education that was always paramount to me mm-hmm. that's how i built my practice in detroit and that's how i um, planned on not only continuing dr friend legacy but making it even better and bigger and my first year in meadville i did uh, over 800 joint replacements so wow! they thought i would maybe do 250 to 300 almost more than half cut and i actually grew the business my first year. Now, the it was all about timing for me. Um, had I done that right out of fellowship, I would not have been prepared to number one, do the volume. Number two, do the volume to the quality that I was doing it and to be able to make the business work. Because my first couple of years in Detroit, I literally built from zero to 75 joints my first year. Then I went from 75, I doubled it to 150 my second year. Then I went to 225, I think. And then my last year, um, I did over 300. So it was steadily ramping up, which 300 joint replacements for any surgeon is a tremendous number. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like a lot compared to what I do now, but but it is a very, very high volume, um, more than most surgeons do across the country in a year. So education was big and I was still doing the seminars. I was getting out into the community. Um, I was doing something eerie. I would go to senior centers. I still do that now. And then I did a once a month, seminar at our practice in our lobby. And I made that a mandatory thing. And to this day, I've done that for 14 straight years now of my practice. So it was a combination of new service line techniques. Um, The other big one was outpatient surgery. No one was doing outpatient surgery and no one still is literally no one in the area does same day joint replacements other than whole health. So giving people kind of like things that they want but didn't realize were options. Does that answer it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then that the staff good. too. Um, that was a big one too, because starting Whole Health, I mean, it, it, yeah, I'm I'm one spoke in the wheel, literally mm-hmm. one spoke. I Yes, I'm the captain of the ship, but without all the other spokes, without all the, the rest of the teammates or crew members, there is no Whole Health, right? Mm-hmm. I have an amazing team at the office. I have an amazing team down at Edgewood Surgical Hospital um, that make me look better too because mm-hmm. of the compassion that they deliver the quality of care that they deliver the attention to detail that they deliver um it has been a painstaking process to train everybody to get everybody on board but it's it's repetition right it's like early on there was a lot of meetings it's like this is what we're doing this is my vision this is my goal this is how we're going to do it and i'd have to do that over because people are resistant to change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the the teammates were resistant to change initially, but when they saw the results and that these people were doing amazingly well and that they were able to go home the same day and get up and get moving so much quicker than traditional approaches. Um, it, I had to earn their respect, but over time that happened. And when I left uh, the previous orthopedic practice and started whole health January 1st of 2018, 100% of my staff mates, uh, staff members um came with me and then we had uh-huh. to we grew and we've more than doubled our size. I had about 14 or 15 employees when I started Whole Health in 2018 and we're over 30 now. That's awesome. So yeah, that's been the biggest challenge and struggle is just rapid growth, but th- mm-hmm. those are good problems to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: So um last business question. So again kind of kind of a long marketing um but maybe most people won't see it this way. Kind of the best companies or brands in the world in terms of marketing, telling their story, all of that type of stuff. Um, They don't put their products like at the forefront. Um, They put the consumer at the forefront or make the consumer, the star of their uh, star of their show. And they let their product like support them. Like, Nike, for example, um, you want to get fit. Great. Go get fit. Let us help you. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get fit because of Nike, but let us help you. Sure. And I've always kind of observed whole health that way too. Um, what, why is it like so important to you that you kind of create this phenomenal experience for patients like an experience that they're not used to like with the beautiful office and just kind of that relaxing environment not that it's not sterile but not that typical cold office feeling like why why was that so important for you to kind of let them be the star and provide this great experience around them
0: Yeah, so um, I'm glad that you asked that question because I have put a a tremendous amount of time and effort and energy and resources investing money uh, to building whole health, not only like the logistical side of whole health, but the physical side of whole health, too. So the building Um, and, you know, I've I've caught some criticism from other orthopedic surgeons that I'm friends with and colleagues with that. When I told them I was building my new office and kind of explained it to them, they're like, "Why?" They're like, "Reimbursements going down every year, expenses are going up every year, and you're going to build this three million dollar office? How how do you even justify that? And um, why would you do that?" I said, so, "Because I had this vision, right? It, and it was to build a state of the art." Uh, and you explained it perfectly um it, it, it's it's warm it's inviting it's like nothing you've ever seen so for me you know me i, I think outside the box and um i use a lot of uh, inspiration from other successful companies whether it's a nike a huge one for me has always been disney right like they go above and beyond right it's like a magical experience you walk in you're just you're mesmerized you're looking left you're looking right you're looking at cinderella's castle you're looking at you know the the tree there, um, what's the one from the Swiss Family Robinson tree, mm-hmm. which is super yep. old but still super impressive. Yeah, like everything that they do is over the top. And to me, it wasn't just show. I wanted to put like my money where my mouth was, and to, to deliver this first class experience. And I love the word that the fact that you chose to use the word experience too, because to me that's what it is. So bringing the patient in, the first thing they see, they're like, wow. This is different, but I like it. Then they see the face at the front desk. It's a friendly face. It's a welcoming face, a warm embrace, you know, and it's filled with education. There's TVs all around, constantly streaming patient educational information. Over 32 TVs in my office. Every exam room has its own TV. You've, you've seen all this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fireplaces, the educational suite. Um, but it, it's the staff too that, it's the process right so it's not just your standard okay here's your problem we'll get the x-rays doctor's going to be in in a couple minutes and you know five minutes later i'm in i'm out you need a new knee see you later type of thing it's if i was doing this myself or again i always say this but i'm dead serious if my mom or dad were going through this process which they both have they both have had uh multiple knee replacement procedures how would I want them to experience this? How would I want my loved ones to experience this? And it's first, best in class, over the top. Um, and it's not like frill. It's it's mm-hmm. real stuff, right? And it's to make this really anxiety-provoking, scary operation that you're about to have. Literally, we're cutting the ends of your bones off, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like how scarier does that get? It's barbaric mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. think about it. But how can I put people's minds at ease by just... The environment oftentimes in a couple of my rooms i have some soft like spa like music going you know there's there's just features that i feel like are are warm soothing edgewood has the same kind of feel it doesn't have the same vibe in terms of like the natural elements Mm -hmm. with wood but um so it's it's i i'm all about senses too like for me um when I eat a good meal, it's got to really present well. It's got to look beautiful. It's got to smell beautiful. It's got to taste beautiful and it's got to be in a great environment, mm-hmm. right? Cause I could have a gourmet meal, but it's a dump and it's just not going to be quite the experience as if it's the full package. Mm-hmm. So I needed to have it the full package. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. And I can, I can definitely say that, you know, in my experience, I haven't been a patient yet, you know, probably someday we'll have to have that conversation, but, um, I've been the annoying guy in the hallway with video cameras several times. And even for me, um, your staff, every, they make it, they make it feel like, even though there might be 10 people in the lobby, um, they make you feel like you're the only one there. And, uh, they stop, they do like, it's very over the top, like Disney. It's It's, culture. Awesome. It's
0: hard to create that culture from mm -hmm. scratch. But again, it was just time. It was repetition. It was multiple staff meetings. It was my, my leadership team is amazing. So they meet with staff on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. to just kind of keep the emphasis on what it is. And that is first and foremost, the patient hands down, everything else will take care of itself. So Mm -hmm. when those surgeons said, Hey, how are you going to recoup this return on your investment by, dropping multiple millions of dollars on this office when revenue is declining for what you do every day. I was like, it will. It's the big picture. They they had a hard time seeing the fact that it, you got it. It's not just this. You got to mm-hmm. see the big picture yeah. and it's worked out. Yeah, it's awesome. So it, it, it was a risk, but um, I'm not adverse to that. Yeah, not at all. So personal stuff.
3: Yeah, personal stuff. So, um, you know, I in a sense, I feel like it cheater like sitting here because um i think i've told you this like i write down every question that everybody asks so um i don't want to come in and ask you any questions that so apologies like to your wife and stuff i'm gonna avoid those so um first question i have for you is something that you're comfortable sharing um What's something that something about you that's interesting unique that most people don't know?
0: oh my gosh
3: interests
0: whatever it may be wow um I wish my wife was here' she would she would battle off a bunch of things that um you know i I think because it's me i I don't really think of anything that I do that's really that super interesting. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty artistic. Um, I haven't drawn or painted for a long time, but um, that was really one of my best skills growing up. And um, I just remember, like, my art teacher, uh, my guidance counselor, everybody was always kind of like, yeah, you should definitely go into art or some type of design. Right. And and I've been asked that question before, like, what would you do if you weren't an orthopedic surgeon? And it's most likely like an architect or some type of um, design, drawing something, building something, creating something. Um, so I guess to, to me, that's probably something that I, and maybe people do know that because they know that I kind of designed my office and um, my basement here. I designed all this kind of I'm a detail guy, very, very much into details um, to the point that it probably annoys a lot of people because I, I pick up on things that some people think are trivial and no one's going to notice, but I'm like, eh, that needs to be shifted over just a little bit or made bigger or smaller or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. So um, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, so the next one would be, yeah, you know, I know you're a big family person all that type of stuff. Um, I've known all of your family for quite a while. But uh, if you reflect back on your childhood, what would be kind of that one core memory or core um moment in life, like that you think about like regularly, like kind of like that? most favorite childhood memory what would that be
0: um i I mean my head's spinning with so many good memories whether they're like meaningful memories whether they're like funny memories whether they're scary memories um but i was very very blessed i mean we grew up similar lives um you grew up in the big city of titusville though right (laughs) yeah And, and my address is townville but I grew up in the in the suburbs of Townville. <laughs> three miles outside yeah. of Townville. Of the metropolis. Yeah. yeah. Middle of yeah. nowhere. Right. So mm-hmm. my closest friend was Nathan Hager growing up, who lived right over by Maplewood High School. Mm-hmm. So there was a couple times where I would ride my bike to his place, but it was it was three miles, a little over three miles with some big hills. Um, you know, so gosh, try to think of of some of the the best memories. I, I think a lot of them were probably like um what has driven me the most, which is like my competitive nature. And I have to attribute a lot of this to just like the, the basketball court. Um, And I don't mean like the Maplewood basketball court. I mean the Molly pavilion, the the court that we had at our house. And there was some very aggressive um, heated drop-down physical confrontations that occurred with either my buddies or my sister, Kristen, who's, you know, two and a half, almost three years older than me. And there were late night battles. I mean, we'd be playing out in the summer till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, knowing that we had to get up at five, six o'clock, go out, do our ball handling drills. I mean, we joke. My dad was General G. Mm-hmm. He, he ran a very tight ship. It was, you're not sleeping in ever. Um, You're not watching cartoons ever. Like maybe on Saturday you could sit down at the coffee table with a bowl of cereal and watch like 30 minutes of a cartoon. But then it was time for basketball. And we would, we would train for probably an hour and a half or so every morning with drills. Um, and then we had, we had sheets that we had to fill out and then it became like the work day, right? So we were, we lived on a farm, so we would go out and and these are good memories. At the time they were kind of like, Oh my gosh, I got to have, I have to go out and do wood uh, mm-hmm. in the woods. Cause my parents still to this day, heat their house with wood. Uh, so we would go out, we would do that or putting fence up that was a miserable job um but you know we did it as a family and the Mm -hmm. more i look back on it i kind of cherish those things um again my dad was ocd with the the yard and how it needed to be maintained so we mowed our yard five and a half almost six acres multiple times per week as soon as you got done mowing it one day which it was like a two-day process you had to start the whole process over again and i was the weed eater
3: and it still looks great today. By the way, I drove by it this weekend. And it looks yeah, awesome. they're, they're, they take a lot of pride in it. Yeah,
0: and it I, I will say it's not as pristine as it was back in the day, um, just because my parents are getting older mm-hmm. and there, it's just a lot, right? But um, yeah, I joke like you don't want to be too good at any job because if you do around my dad, you are now the official whatever that <laughs> job is, and no one can do it better than you. And for that, for that, it was me. It was weed eating. So and I would have to go around. I have to go around all the fence. Because the electric fence, if it had grass touching it, it wouldn't work or it would mm-hmm. short out. So I had to do that, you know, several times throughout the summer. But uh, looking back on that, I cherish it. My grandfather had a massive garden out behind the barn. And, you know, I never participated in this, but my sisters would do all the canning of the vegetables. And we, my parents had a fruit cellar that was literally stocked from the floor to the ceiling wow. with vegetables and produce and potatoes that we would use throughout the year. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of like real true farm to table. We had a beef farm. So we had to do hay to feed the cows and uh, load the barn up. And again, it was a horrible, miserable job when it happened. But it was fun because my best friend Jared would come over and we'd be up in the hayloft screwing around, (laughs) like having heart attacks because it was so hot. My brother-in-law, Chris, he he became the stacker because he did a better job than anyone. (laughs) And my dad made him the official hay stacker, which was a miserable job. Because he got, he never got to get fresh air. He was in the back of the barn. Mm-hmm. Jared and I would take the bales off of the elevator. So we would come out to the window. We could get cooled down a bit. And we had to throw it back to him. But honestly, I would say those. I know it's not like one thing. But it's just like the summers. Where I grew up was amazing. My, my sister, when we did have a little bit of free time, we'd go out into the woods. And we'd, we'd shoot my BB gun. And we just run around. We'd build forts. Um, one summer, I built what was called a cool tub. Um, I don't know if, or the cool pool, I think is what Jared called it. I dug a massive hole out behind the pine trees behind my parents' house and I put a tarp in it and I made like a hot tub, but it was filled with cold water. And, um, sadly to say my, my sister's sheep died at one point. And I think this is when I was like in college and I came home and not that I was using the cool pool at that point, <laughs> but he's like, yep, April died. And thanks for digging that hole out there because she's <laughs> now buried in it. <laughs> And they buried a couple more pets in there. They just keep stacking them in. Wow. And, so. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, just simple farm life. It, it was great.
3: Well, I was going to ask you something, but I feel like you would already, you've basically already answered that okay. question. So um, my next one is, you know, knowing that you're a basketball guy. um, What was of your basketball career? We'll call it. What was uh, your biggest highlight or um, most memorable time with
0: basketball? So it was after high school. It was um, it was a three-on-three tournament. It was up at Family First Sports Park. And for anybody that remembers those hoops up there, they're still up there, by the way. Um, they were metal poles with metal backboards, metal rims that were three rims thick the worst shooting rims in the world. Remember we talked about the Titusville yeah. full YMCA yeah. three and three metal backboards. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, wood, wood backboards, wood frames. They were shooters hoops. They're I love so them. soft, right? You could yeah. shoot it and it'd be ding, 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 it would bounce mm-hmm. around for a while and it go in. Yeah. So when I get up there, I'm like, and I was a shooter. That was my thing. I was like, Ooh, this is not going to be good. Like the, the biggest mm-hmm. part, the best part of my game is taken away because of these hoops. And we were working our way through. It was Mike Burroughs, Justin Hill, my brother in law, and myself. Quite honestly, I don't think we had a fourth. Um, Most, you always had a fourth for a sub. And I can't remember what happened, but we did not have a fourth for this particular tournament. So we were tired. And we're coming through the bracket, and there were some really good teams. We get paired up against a buzzsaw, it was a, a cathedral prep. Team. So it was uh, Julian Blanks, who was their star and played college ball. I can't remember where he played college ball, but you'll be able to look it up probably. Yeah, yeah, we and, can look and, it up and show some photos yeah. of him. It was RJ Fiorelli, okay. who's still in the Erie area. Uh, it was Graham Weatherspoon. Graham was a really big um, African American kid, super funny. I remember going to basketball camps with him growing up at Edinburgh, and he was like a comedian, but he was big. He was probably like six, seven, six, eight. And just thick, big body. RJ was kind of a slasher. And then Julian was everything. He was a point guard, but he could shoot. And I believe he was a lefty too. So we're like, oh, geez. Um, Well, this is going to be like a quick game. And it was one of those moments. um, It was kind of like when I played in the Cockham member guests where the stars align and you literally just everything I put up didn't even hit the rim. And they were all threes, and we buzz sawed them. We demolished them. At the beginning of the game, everybody, there was like a couple people around watching, but I don't think anybody was paying much attention because they're like, oh, the prep boys are going to just bury these no name guys from mm-hmm. the country. And then there was some chatter. And by the end of that game, I'm sorry, I shit you not, the entire court was surrounded by people, and we became like the, the, the underdogs that everybody was cheering for. I mean, people were like, "Oh, oh!" and it was that they were in my face, and I just remember Justin and Mike. I mean, they were doing a great job getting rebounds on defense, but they didn't need to get rebounds on offense because and, and, it just it just happened, and they were kicking it out. And I was ten feet. It was like Steph Curry. I was ten feet behind. Now the next game, we ran up against another prep crew <laughs> keith niece who's a good buddy of mine um he played against kobe bryant in the state championship um he was a year ahead of me okay. julian i think was my year or a year behind me uh, i think john trokey was, was on that team and i can't remember their third or fourth player but keith was watching that game and keith was a, a lockdown defender he was quite a bit shorter than me but man he had my number and <laughs> I don't think I hit the rim the next game. <laughs> so it, was, it was a short lived moment, but hey, uh, it was a moment. It was a moment yeah. that I'll never forget. Even my buddy Mike Burrows to, to this day, he'll be like, dude, I'll never forget that day when you just caught fire. He goes, you literally did not miss a shot and you were shooting from 10 feet behind the three point line. So, wow. one of those just special moments that you, yeah. you tell your kids about. So, so, before my questions,
3: speaking of three on three, we played in a couple tournaments together. We did. Franklin and Titusville one year Yeah, and uh, I was actually, I was thinking about this today um, because I drove past when we played um, in the Titusville tournament. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you have a much better memory. I I was house sitting a house that weekend and you came over and you stayed with me. Yeah. And that house had like a swimming pool in the backyard, basketball hoop and everything. And we went out, and we we're like, we lowered the rim, like down to like eight, nine feet. And we, it was I just, I remember this. it was just the two of us and we were having like dunk contest. Do you remember what
0: happened? Did we break something? Yeah.
3: We snapped like the pole that the hoop was on. And Did we um, rig it up? To- <laughs> yeah. So we had to go out to your parents' house after we were done playing that night and we got a hammer drill because this post had, like, I don't know, 18 inches of concrete yeah, in it. Yeah, and we drilled down into it. And we drilled down into the ground and then back up through the post. And then we found, like, a 14-inch piece of rebar. And we put it down in and then lifted the hoop back up and put it down that? on. And then got black spray paint and spray painted the crack where you could see the concrete oh falling gosh. out. And... Um, yeah, they never asked me about it. So (laughs) I think it held up at least till winter or whatever, when it probably fell over and they were like, yeah,
0: that that hoop had its better days type of thing. Wow. I do remember that now. Yeah. Shall we turn the tables? Yeah, let's do it. So business stuff first. Um, you know, again, you've, you've done a a lot of different things with, with golf, with your video production stuff. Um, I usually kind of save this question until a little bit later, but Um, if you weren't doing one of those two things, right, the the golf or the video production stuff, what do you think you would be doing? Actually,
3: I know what I would be doing. Um, and like, I had forgot about it for a long time, but when, when I was young, um, I was exposed to, I was exposed to medicine. Um, my grandmother, unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer when I was younger and, she um in franklin they used to have uh like a cancer hospital Mm -hmm. called the west unit okay it was like right next to the franklin hospital but a different building and um for probably about 10 months or so my grandmother was in there
0: like full-time
3: yeah, wow. Yeah, like going through all kinds of different treatments and everything. And my mom would get us from school. We would go to Franklin. We were in the West Unit. Like, how old just were you, by the way? Just like so you... fourth, fifth grade. So okay. probably like 10, 11 years old around there. Okay. Um, but uh, she would literally like pack us dinner, pack our pajamas we would go to my grandmother's room, do our homework and eventually get cleaned up and usually fall asleep on the way home. But, um, she had a great oncologist. His name was Dr. Kirkland. And, um, he was, I don't, I don't know if he was this way with all kids or whatever, but he would explain things to me, you know, talk about things. And for the longest time, um, I always said I wanted to be a doctor and um, a clear clear in the high school and everything. And I wasn't a very good math student. Um, And I can remember my high school guidance counselor asking me like 11th grade, like, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I'd like to be an oncologist or, you know, do some form of oncology. And um, he was like, Yeah, that's not gonna work you're not that good at math and like kind of just like discouraged me completely from that told me to go into like different fields or whatever and you know kind of pulled pulled the rug out from underneath me or took the wind out of my sails um and it's funny about a year ago was the first time i went into the or with you and um i remember coming back home that night like after we were done and like My wife, Michelle, she said, you know, how was it? Like, I can't believe, like, you would go in there and film that. And I just looked at her and I said, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Like, I feel like I completely wasted my life now. Um, you know, like, not, you know, and I say that, like, kind of tongue in cheek yeah. because I love what I do. And you're but, amazing at what you but do. But if... um if i wasn't doing it and i could kind of like go back in time that's that's definitely what i'd be doing would you
0: want to do oncology or um just something you know amazing?
3: again i i think like that's what my exposure was was at that time um like now like i having you know kind of had like the up close and personal experience of seeing you in action doing what you do um i just I love the idea of helping people, you know, giving back however you can and kind of restoring life. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that I would say like, yeah, I do oncology or, you know, and that was your first
0: exposure that kind of, yeah, kinda that was kind
3: nice of it. the first up close exposure that I had that, you know, just kind of guided me towards wanting to do that. But
0: yeah. yeah. So, My superpower question. I like to ask people this question. So if you had to say Jay Watoski has one professional or personal, like what's your, your super strength that allows you to be so successful at what you do with your, your production company, what Um, would
3: it be? You know, up until a couple of years ago, I don't know if I could answer that question. Um, But really I would say it's my problem-solving capability. Um, I, you know, I, a couple years ago, I had a, like a, a mindset shift and like you had kind of talked about, you know, in past episodes, like, you know, like focusing in or something or having to like shift your mindset or your thought process about something. Um, And after, you know, kind of looking at things like, uh i realized that like people came to me because they had a problem um you know it might be a marketing problem it might be a training problem it might be an education problem but they had a problem and somewhere somehow i had the solution or hopefully had the solution to help them overcome their problem so Now, like, that's kind of, like, step one in what I do. Like, whenever I talk to a new client, I'm like, okay, tell me what your situation is now. And why do you want video? What is this going to overcome? And, you know, you being a business owner, um, one of the most difficult things we have to do is, like, to be completely honest. And, like, it's not really admitting, but be open about where our deficiencies are and we all have them. I mean, even the biggest companies in the world have deficiencies mm-hmm. and you have to be completely honest about that. And then once somebody is completely honest with me, I don't necessarily say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I go away, really kind of dig into what their problems are and, um, or try to uncover those problems and then not just create a video to create a video, but create a video that's actually a tool that helps them overcome their problems. So I guess problem
0: solving. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I love, um, as I, again, I have these, all these little mollyism quotes, but where there's a problem, there's a solution, but no matter what it is, I always enjoy, um, when you first get the problem, it's not always like, pleasant mm-hmm. right but when you dig your teeth into it and you get an opportunity to say like this could be fun to try to solve this to figure yeah. out how to make this better mm-hmm. um, so i like it yeah so um your favorite part of your your day job and your least favorite part so two parts right what do you really or, or projects right is there a particular project that you've worked on where you're like gosh i don't want this to end this is so fun Mm -hmm. versus one that you were kind of like, and you don't have to be specific about like people or um, names of things. Right. But kind of like generalizations where you're kind of like, I got to get through this or, or it could just be your day to day, like part of the process that is is the least favorite part of it.
3: Yeah. So um, on my, my favorite thing honestly is that no, Two projects are ever the same. Yeah, you know, even even with with you, every week a new podcast comes out. They're never the same. Mm-hmm. Um, educational videos, even though they're kind of in a similar setting, they're not the same. Um, so I love that that like I'm not doing the same thing over and over all the time. Um, my least favorite thing um about what i do it doesn't happen often um but it does happen i when whenever i deliver a video um i always expect that there's going to be revisions changes that type of stuff it's just the nature of the beast when um actually i'm quite shocked if somebody says like yes this is perfect and Nothing needs to change.
0: You're like, did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) They're just like almost trusting you. So I, you know, I'm, I'm expecting revisions all the time. Kind of one of my pet peeves is when they'll watch a video and they'll send me an email like, Hey, can we change this and change it, render it all out, which sometimes it can take hours to render out a video send it over to them again. And then 30 minutes later it's, Hey, can we do this? You know? And then next thing, you know, so it's
0: not a small tweak.
3: Yeah, it's it's not, it's not a small tweak. So next thing, you know, instead of them like watching it and just taking the time to really go over it and write all the notes and then send it over. So all the changes can happen at one time. It takes 10 times longer to make the changes, and you're constantly opening up that same video, wasting time rendering it all out when you could do that one time, and that and I'm
0: sure that is just a very time consuming part of what you do. Is yeah, like filming stuff is probably pretty. I won't say simple, yeah, but it it, it takes the time that it takes to do it.
3: Yes, right. So <laughs> you know you're into art. Filming is kind of like collecting your canvas and your paint. Um, you, you have to have the right stuff to be able to work with it. But the editing aspect of it is kind of like where you're creating that painting. Um, so yeah, it's once you create a painting, it's kind of hard to undo it, you know, or if you do, it takes a lot longer than just doing it, you know, early on. Um, I, I, I mean, I really enjoy all the projects that I work on. I mean, there's definitely some that I work on, that I work on. There's been, you know, several different things. A couple of years ago, we did a project that aired in Times Square for, I think it was three months, which was kind of crazy, almost overwhelming um, because it's the most saturated environment in the world. So Um, I honestly lost sleep over that, like thinking how are we going to make something that stands out in that environment? And we ended up getting great and great feedback, but um, my all time favorite projects are like the projects where we can do something like to give back um, whether it be like for veterans organizations or whatever. And back in 2010 or 11 I had the opportunity to spend, um, seven or eight days in, uh, South Texas with, um, I think it was nine different guys from the wounded warrior project. Oh, wow. And, um, it was a great experience. I don't want like the animal rights people to, but we, uh, we were, it was all aerial hog hunting. So, like hog hunting from helicopters, yeah. which was pretty wild. And I spent all those days, like essentially hanging out of a helicopter filming. Um, and that was fun, but you know, there were experiences that happened that week that have made like a permanent impression on me, you know, talking to one guy who had one leg, both arms blown off and burn like third degree burns over like 80 some percent of his body wow and I can remember him like looking at me and like tears were rolling down his face when he said this he said if they would take me back I would go fight again tomorrow and like you know it's not necessarily the project but all the experiences that come come along with it that that really make it what I enjoy.
0: Yeah, the stories, right? Like yeah. you meet so many interesting people in life mm-hmm. and uh, whether it's what you do for a living, what I do for a living. Um, you know, I just really enjoy my interactions with my mm-hmm. patients outside of the operating room, getting to talk to people and um, just just hearing kind of, again, what makes them tick. And I got, again, probably one of the my favorite things about this project, the podcast was, and I didn't know how much I would enjoy this. I just thought it would be a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. But man, has it been fun uh, just being able to sit down and talk to people that I know and think that I know well, like even yourself, mm-hmm. but then I learned so much about them. That's truly inspiring to me yeah. and hopefully to our viewers that, um, you know, it'd be very boring if I just had a doctor on here every single episode. I mean, there's different areas of medicine and and, and I've had several mm-hmm. doctors and I'll have several more, but... To have you, to have Jared Oaks, to have Bill Spiros, to have Anthony Santoro, to have um, all these people, different walks of life, doing mm-hmm. different things. It keeps it fresh. It keeps yeah. it like it, it's inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Personal stuff. Yeah. Fire away. So um, I know your your family, your, your dad, your mom, your two sisters uh, growing up in the Titusville area, again, mm-hmm. small town community. Yep. What would you say is kind of your favorite kind of childhood memory or adolescent even high school memory of growing up in that type of community and kind of the impact that it had on you is just like a, a man today, a father, a husband.
3: Yeah. Um in you know, I won't I wouldn't cha- trade my childhood for anything. I think in you experience this too like growing up in a small community it's kind of a double-edged sword like um it's everybody has your back but also everybody kind of knows your business at the same time so um it's kind of hard to get away um in a sense when you live in a small community um most of my like favorite childhood memories um either revolve around like the time I spent with my dad or my grandfather, like when we could get away, like in go to the woods, go fishing, whatever it may be like, you know, where you'd get to hear the stories from the grown adults when they maybe get a little loose with their tongue and you'd hear stories that a 10 or 11 year old wasn't supposed to hear at the time. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I loved and like with growing up in a small community, it wasn't like we had to travel a couple hours to be able to do that. It was literally like out our back door. Yeah. My grandpa would call and do you want to go fishing? And from the time he picked me up, it was five minutes until we were at the stream or wherever we were going. And, um, I just, I really cherish that because now that grandfather,
0: is that the one that you shared the story on LinkedIn? So Mm -hmm. very powerful story, very powerful quote. Do you Mm -hmm. mind just sharing that for our viewers? That was today. And when I read it, it was just one of those things that, you know, I I see a lot of things on LinkedIn. I love quotes. Mm -hmm. I love stories. So if you don't mind sharing that, this isn't one of my questions. So, So,
3: um, actually today would have been his birthday and that's kind of what inspired me to put it up. But, uh, I got to be with him a couple days before he passed away and um, we were sitting, it was probably close to midnight. Um, he was, uh, he would, he, he had had lung cancer and it had spread to his brain and he was having some hard times with some things. So he actually moved in with my mom, like for his last few months. Um, and I was back kind of visiting at the time and so it was just him and I sitting there talking. And how was, old are you at
0: this point? 23, so
3: maybe. So you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Young yeah. adult. Yeah. So, um, you know, and he was telling me like these stories about him and his brothers and everything, like crazy things that they were doing as kids. And um, just out of the blue, he looked at me and, and he said, Jay, I want to tell you something. He said, it's okay to regret something that you did. It's never okay to regret something that you chose not to do, you know? So, um, kind of makes the hair
0: on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. You, you saying that.
3: Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he said it like to like make a profound impact on me, but, um, I remember going up to my childhood bedroom that night and just kind of laying there, like staring at the ceiling, like, wow, you know, like that, that was huge. Um, you know, because like kind of back to your kind of back to your question, like at this time, like I was chasing the professional golf thing and, you know, while there's positives with a small town and there's also negatives and, um, you know, I had a lot of people rooting for me, you know, like in terms of my golf career. But I also had a lot of people like, hey, you're from northwestern Pennsylvania, like kids from northwestern Pennsylvania can't do that. Um, You know, so that that kind of quote just hit me differently than like, you know what, I'm going to chase this and I'm going to give it everything I have. And I've carried that on like in the business and, you know, yeah, there's times where it might be easier to go work for. A production house somewhere or whatever and yeah have that security but um i've never been one kind of to take the safe road so yeah yeah
0: plus there's no better feeling than being your own boss and doing things the way that you mm-hmm. want to do them because you believe in the way you want to do them yep um to me that's the the best way for me right mm-hmm. i'm like to function Yep. Yeah. Um, just because of my entrepreneur and I know you're very entrepreneurial mm. too, but yeah, that, that quote, um, resonates so much with me. And when I read that today, I was just like, wow, Yeah, it, it literally made the hair on the back of my neck stand up mm-hmm. when I read it. And when you again said it tonight, so thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Cause I know how special and important mm-hmm. your grandfather was to you as my grandfather was to me. Yeah. And, um, I don't have any awe inspiring quotes from him. He was a man mm-hmm. of few words, but he was a man of action. And I uh, was extremely hardworking. And, um, but I, I fully embrace kind of that concept, yeah. that mentality. So, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So, you're busy, right? Yeah. You've, you've <laughs> got multiple kids mm-hmm. um, doing multiple different activities. You're yep. just sharing how Ty has been doing like a lot of musicals. I know mm-hmm. he's very much into athletics too. And, yeah. um, it, I mean, you're, you're pulled in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do for you? for for jay and uh to help like keep your sanity keep your your mental health and and wellness in Mm check um and just something that you like enjoy doing yourself yeah
3: so um you know i i have my passions you know everybody i guess kind of assumes that because golf was part of my career that that's probably something i do um to be honest, very, very rarely do I play golf anymore. Um, I, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I definitely don't do it as much as, as much as I'd like to. Um, honestly, like for like what I do for myself and my sanity and everything is kind of just put everything away and enjoy time with my family. Um, you know, my, kids range in age from 18 to four and um so i'm i'm very and there's four busy yeah right yeah yep so um they they keep us really really busy um but i i love my time with them more than more than anything and that's that's really kind of what what i do when i when i need a break when i need to get away is actually kind of spend time with those that really keep me the busiest
0: yeah yeah it's funny me and i I love that about you because i feel the same way about myself now there's times where i just need to be away from everybody right alone and that's Mm -hmm. where i love getting out in the woods especially Mm -hmm. archery season or i go down to the peninsula and i go for a really nice long walk but um you and i and everyone out there with kids we're not going to get that time back no And it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. kind of like your dad's quote or your grandfather's quote, But it, uh, and I've used this in previous podcasts. Is like no one ever at any point in their life probably is going to look back on their career and say, you know, I wish I would have spent more time at the office yeah. or more, doing more orthopedic surgery or, mm-hmm. or this or that. Um, but you most likely are going to say, I wish yeah. I would have spent more time with my children mm-hmm. and the people that you kind of sacrifice some time with because you and I and everyone is so focused on providing for our families which requires putting food on the table
3: Mm -hmm. yeah and you know and i that's one thing that i like i really don't keep keep a secret at all like if like you saw my thing on linkedin today um you know linkedin i think it's a great platform i it's probably my favorite social media platform it's the only Um, one i do personally (laughs) um and i get so much from it But one thing that I really don't do on LinkedIn is I don't post a lot about I don't post a lot about business or give marketing tips or video tips or whatever it may be. Um, I post a lot about my family when I when I do post on there. And really, you know, I do that because I want people to see like the true side of me where that is who I am. That's my priority. Like, yes, your project is absolutely a priority, but um, there there have been times where, and I've never received any push negative pushback from this. There have been times where I've had to send that, you know, unwanted email where it's a, uh, I know we said that we would meet this deadline by this day. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, my daughter has a travel ball tournament. I'm heading out of town. We'll get this to you Monday afternoon. And I've never received any negative pushback from that. You know, I think people respect that. Yeah. You know, it's your
0: family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As much as their project is a priority of yours, yeah. mm-hmm. well, there's a bigger priority, which yeah. is, you know, your family first. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sure. All right. So you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you guys what do you guys like to do do you guys like to travel do you like to go to nice dinners do you like to go on nature hikes do you like to uh, vacation together what what is it that you love doing with you, with her
3: you know we um used to take some trips together um that kind of slowed down a little bit with with graham mm-hmm. kind of our youngest who um i guess like we had kind of reached a point because we have uh three that are 18 13 and 12 so you know it was kind of like
0: life's getting a little autonomous right yeah mm-hmm.
3: you know like yeah you're kind of getting to the point where like they're becoming self-sufficient mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like this one's kind of plopped down and um
0: will do that to you folks <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. So, um, it's put, uh, it's put some strain like on our travel, like that we like to do, you know, in terms of getting away, because it's hard to say like, Hey, can you take a four-year-old for five days? Well, while we head out somewhere, um, so we don't travel as much as we'd like to. Um, but, uh, we do like to just like kind of spend that like quiet time with each other, like at home, whether it be for half an hour, 45 minutes after everybody goes to bed and it's just us. Sometimes we talk about our day. Sometimes we sit there and watch an episode of everybody loves Raymond, you know, but it's just kind of sitting there, you know, rubbing her back, just Letting her know that, like, hey, you know, Being you're important to me. Yeah. And um, you know, we're not, like, big go out. I mean, we had that phase in our life yeah. a while ago. Um, it's just we're kind of like homebodies, really, yeah. you know, which which I'm perfectly fine with.
0: I'm becoming more and more like that. No, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. My wife and I, we love really yeah. good dinners. So if we get away, we'll usually do one trip a year. Mm -hmm. Um, Like this year, it was our 15-year wedding anniversary. We went to Hawaii together, and there's no better time that I have with her than when it's just her and I, Mm because I feel like I have her undivided attention, and she has my undivided attention. And we have amazing dinners together. We go on walks together. We go to the pool together. We work out together. So, um, And sometimes it's just like when we went to Hawaii we literally, we stayed on our time here. So we'd wake up at three in the morning. We'd watch a couple episodes of uh succession was the show that we were watching yeah. at the time. And then we'd take naps in the afternoon and we'd watch more succession. So, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just love the fact that you take that time to be with her and and, and vice versa because it is important because my, my life coach, Allison, she always tells me, um, you know, it's, it's it's God for, for like your mm-hmm. priorities. It's God, I, we, and then the family. Yep. And if you're not, if you don't have a good relationship, and I'm not getting religious, mm-hmm. it's just a higher power. Right? Yeah. Whether it's whatever you call your God, um, but then if you don't, a lot of people skip the I mm-hmm. and they go right to the we, or they skip the I and the we and they go to the family. Yeah. Right. And then you're not. There's a little resentment that builds up because you're not. Everything that you need to be for yourself, which then allows you to be everything that you need to be for your spouse, which then allows you to be everything that you need to be for your kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's perfect, but like I have focused a tremendous amount of my time and energy over the past several years to get those. Yeah. That pecking order. Yeah. In place.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I that's something that was kind of like ingrained to me, like as in a young age, like from at least like definitely from my mom, you know, kind of that same order that, that you're talking about. And, you know, like with, with my wife and I, she's, she's a kindergarten teacher. I mean, and so sometimes, you know, just being honest about it, sometimes it's not the easiest thing for me. Um, Like when she comes home and she's just like, I need a break, you know, it's like, well, yeah, we all need it. You know, sometimes I'm thinking that, but like I can definitely see it more and more. And honestly, one of my favorite things to do, at least for her is like when she needs help with something like with school, you know, at the time she might ask me like, Hey, can you do this? And I'm going to be like, that's the last thing I want to do. But when I get into it and I kind of realize, like, you know, like, yeah, I might not be enjoying this, but it's for, it's for her, then my mentality around it kind of changes. And, and I really enjoy it. Like uh, she's had me come in and do video projects for her classroom, like, like end of the year, like type videos or one year we did um, one for Christmas that the kids could like give their parents for Christmas. And um, she is like, the toughest client to work for with and, <laughs> and it, by, by far the worst pay, like, but, um, you at least get the, a back rub out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but You know, I, I re I really enjoy that because it's kind of like that whole, like we yeah. type thing kind of at the top and that's a really yeah, cool hopefully idea. she sees it, you know, but I'm sure yeah. she does. Yeah.
0: So. so shall we do the seventh inning sawbone shoe stretch? Yeah. So, so let's same. have it
3: so I'm I'm gonna do something a little different I mean there's a couple episodes out there that still have to be edited that I haven't seen but so I am not a shoe guy
0: yeah you texted me earlier you're like yeah I don't know what I'm gonna wear
3: um I was gonna bring a pair of shoes um but Dr Colonna kind of beat me I was gonna bring a pair of golf shoes that have traversed the grounds of St Andrews Augusta and Pebble Beach but he beat me to the Augusta thing. So I didn't bring <laughs> Anthony. Those. Why'd you do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, then I was going to bring a pair of flip flops to be the first person to wear a pair of flip flops. Maybe. I don't know. the other Yeah. Ones, no, but, no one's done but, it. Yet. Yeah. But no, I just threw on kind of like my daily Adidas kicks. Um, I don't really have a story behind them other than my wife got them for me for father's day. So and they're comfy.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think I've some... ever seen you in the past year and a half in anything other than Hey Dudes.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a staple. That's kind of what for, I thought I'd for see. For the most but... part. But um, I did bring something shoe-related that I tried to keep hidden from you. Well, you... And it's <laughs> this guy. And, and the reason I brought this was um, in our house, we have this shoe closet. And the shoe closet is like my nemesis because um, one of my pet peeves is like walking in the door and the shoes are kicked everywhere with four kids. and
0: You can't find um, a matching pair. Yeah, and-,
3: and I'm always like, pick up your shoes. So uh, they pick up their shoes and they throw them in this closet that's become the it's shoe like the closet. Junk drawer. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. essentially. And the other... And this was a couple weeks ago. Um, like I was kind of on like a rampage tear because there were shoes everywhere. So I opened up the dreaded closet and I was just throwing things in. And this little shoe rolled out. It's been two and a half years since Graham wore this shoe. Like I thought it was gone a long time ago. <laughs> and like it kind of just like like I just froze in my tracks, like when, when it rolled out and I picked it up. And so the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been like sitting by my desk. Um, Cause this time of year is like always the craziest time of year for me. And um, it's super busy all the time. And if I'm going to run into a burnout phase, it's this time of year. And Um, So I've just kind of had this like sitting on my desk underneath one of my monitors, just kind of to, I guess, remind me that even like when I'm feeling burnout or whatever it may be that like this whole thing's bigger than I am, you know, like I've got this to worry about. So like, that's, I was like, "Ah, what am I going to do for the shoe thing? So I just, Snatched it away, and so brought this it with me.
0: section of the podcast has quickly grown to become like one of the most sentimental, mm-hmm. like heartfelt sections. Like when I first started it, simply started it because I'm a shoe guy, mm-hmm. especially a Jordan shoe guy. Yeah, and but I was like, there's usually stories right mm-hmm. behind meaningful things in people's eyes, and to me, there's always a story behind every pair of shoes. So, your episode. Um, everybody's episode has had some meaningful story, whether it was Dr. Colonna walking on, you know, Mm -hmm. Augusta. Um, Last night, my guest, Archana Anand, hasn't well, it has aired when this has aired, but you haven't even seen it yet Mm -hmm. uh, or edited it yet. She had a a great story. I'm not going to spoil it. So I want you to kind of hear it, but it's very similar to Dave Hutzel's, Dr. Hutzel's story. Very similar. Mm -hmm. Which Um,
3: that was... That was super. His story was super powerful. That like that's like stopped me. Yeah, and of I had all to, the
0: episodes yeah. that may be like the one that was like, Whoa, yeah, right. And this is this is yeah. up there, right? Like, it's almost like God was talking to you. Right? Yeah, you're, you mm-hmm. I picture you. <laughs> I'm picturing like, <laughs> Oh, Chevy I was Chase, when I was he goes nuts shoes. with the, the Christmas lights, yeah, and he's you know, taking the chainsaw to cutting up, fix the null post. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm picturing you with like a blowtorch, like coming in with a flame retardant suit, like. Just going in the closet. Yeah. Very similar.
3: Yeah, yeah. You're pretty accurate with what
0: you're. <laughs> Those are called dad moments. Mm-hmm. We all have them, so don't feel bad about it. Um, but so a couple things today. So generally, I'm wearing some Jordan gear, but I was like, "What can I wear today that's a little different for Jay?" So mm-hmm. one was my shirt, right? And huge love going to concerts, and I've gone to several concerts with you, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like. One of my favorite memories of you, not just a memory, but memories mm-hmm. was was going to concerts with you. Forgetting not, tickets. Yeah, forgetting, so like. many good stories. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, and we've never been to a Pink Floyd concert mm-hmm. together, but by far and away, my favorite band of all time is mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. So I went into my closet. I'm like, I've got some band T-shirts. Um, by the way, you never wear the T-shirt of the band that you're going to see. Right, so if you're going to Dave Matthews concert, you don't wear a Dave Matthews T-shirt. That's etiquette 101. Um, so I wore this, but then I was like, shoe. What am I going to do for shoe wise? I had some pink ones. I was like, well, Pink Floyd, pink shoes. I'm going to save that till October. Although this mm-hmm. ep- episode is probably airing in October. Yeah. But for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'm going to do some pink ones, maybe in the next episode. But then, um, so these are the Air Jordan three, um, and these are called the Retro Patchwork Camo. So. As you can see, nice. they're, each of them are different too. Like they're they're not like a matching mm-hmm. set. The right's different than the left, but they have different areas of camo. And knowing that you're a big outdoorsman, huge hunter, especially archery, um, mm-hmm. and I've gotten into hunting more more so recently with with archery. Um, mm-hmm. It just seemed fitting to to do this. Yeah, they're great, and it and it kind of leads into the next section. Uh, the Sawbones Challenge folks and um, we're gonna do something a little different tonight so it's a little dark it's the one thing I don't like about this is I've always started recording my episodes at six o'clock the problem is is as the seasons change when you get done recording this and you're getting ready for the Sawbones Challenge it's dark outside and it gets a little hard so uh, we did pre-film our challenge but I said Jay why don't we do something differently and we kind of tossed around a couple different ideas, whether it was a putting competition. Definitely wasn't dressed to, to go to Cockwin and do a putting <laughs> competition. Plus, that would have just taken a lot more time. Mm-hmm. It would have been a cool thing, and maybe we'll do it sometime. Yeah. We definitely have to play golf. But um, again, both liking hunting and stuff, I was like, well, what we could do, we go to my parents' house. And we could shoot a bow or a gun or something like that and do a Sawbones like, hunting challenge, so mm-hmm. to speak. And then it was like logistics of getting the camera there and making sure that we got the footage by the time you wanted to edit it. So I was like, well, Luca has a little crossbow. So tonight we're going to do a crossbow outdoor backyard sawbones challenge. And uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's already been done. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let you check it out here in just a little bit. So stay tuned. Once we're done with the challenge, we'll come back here. We'll do our conclusion. And uh, on to Thursday Night Football. This is the opening yeah of the nfl season tonight chiefs and uh lions. lions so my boys are rooting well one of them's rooting for the lions because you know papu and yaya who yaya is one of my biggest fans that's mm-hmm. karen's mom um of the podcast as my mom is too by the way yesterday i i called her on the way home she's like yep i'm pretty sure i was the first one to watch your podcast this morning <laughs> woke up 5 45 and uh 601 i I, I opened it up and watched it. Good.
3: You have regular followers.
0: Now yeah, and, and Karen's funny. been loving it too. So she's been like, I'll come home and she'll have at her AirPods in and she'll be listening to it. And she's like, oh, I really like that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But Sawbones Challenge coming up next. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Hey, everybody. Sawbones Challenge. But this time we're going backyard version. And we're going to change it up from basketball to Something that Jay and I both like to do. Shooting bows and arrows. We're going to shoot a crossbow tonight. So this is uh, my son's crossbow. And uh, same kind of rules. First one to hit the target five times. And um, Luca, why don't you bring the, the target out? So we had to make this kind of fun. So here it is. This is what we're shooting at.
3: So is it just hit the target?
0: Yeah, it? no, I think it's, maybe if you hit me, it's two. If you hit anywhere in the target, it's one. First one to five.
2: Okay. Does that make it fun? Yeah.
0: Okay, because you got to aim a little to the left if you want to hit me, so you could miss it easier yep. instead of dead center. But let's do this. First one to five. Your honor. You go first, by far. All friend. right. <laughs> and I haven't shot this for a long time, so I don't know how it shoots, how high, how low. This is the first shot for both of us.
2: Whoa! <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we got some contact. I don't, is it on the right? It looks dead center.
3: Right. That was right. That hit. That was a hit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere.
2: Whoa! Some <laughs> 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 <an> interesting shots <laughs> here. Up the
0: ramp, off the side of the. Uh,
2: hit.
0: Okay, contact another hit. Did we get a double? I, I aimed a little left this time. Oh! Contact. Okay, Sam, Finally. You. Did he get a double?
2: Finish him. Oh. oh finish him. <laughs> it looks like right in the jaw. Well, <laughs> oh, keep it there.
0: We gotta go over to the camera. It look There we go. <laughs> there we go, folks. That was fun. In the the backyard version. Funny. Finish him shot. Right there.
2: Finish it!
0: Thanks, buddy. Yep. Alright? So I want to thank our arrow retrievers, Luke, uh, Michael, Molly, Santino. What's your middle name? William. Molly. All right. We'll see you in a little bit for the conclusion. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back from the Sawbones Challenge. Uh, so, kind of in conclusion, Jay, um, you know the question. Where do you see yourself five years, ten years? You still in Northwest Pennsylvania? You moving? to become a golf pro down at Augusta <laughs> or what, what are you and your lovely wife and you know, doing? doing.
3: You know, I definitely see myself. I mean, I'm still going to be around here um, for sure. 10 years from now, our youngest will be 14. Um, you know, so I don't really see us in a position to up and move then. Yeah. Um, my wife has a career that, she loves at your elementary alma
0: mater. Maplewood elementary school. Yeah. So. teaches with my sister. Shanna. Yeah.
3: Um, so I see us, you know, in the 10 years still being around here, you know, definitely, um, want to continue to grow. Um, I'm not one of those people who kind of lock myself down to a certain projected path. Um, I want to be, Fluid to be able to kind of provide the service where it's needed the most. Um, grow my older kids will probably, I mean, well, Sydney will be in college next year. Um, the other ones will be in college. I just want to be kind of healthy, happy, just enjoying life. Enjoying life. Yeah.
0: Right. And yeah, I have no doubt that you will be successful both professionally and personally. Uh, You always have been. I love the fluidity Mm -hmm. because I I think the same way. Yeah. Do I think I'll still be an orthopedic surgeon doing hip and knee replacements in 10 years? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it'll look different. I I can't explain or I I can't predict what that difference will be. Yeah. But still be in Northwest Pennsylvania and um, same, enjoying my family, enjoying my wife, enjoying my life. Yeah. And um, just focusing on... I mean, it
3: does go quick. does. It doesn't seem that long ago that we're we're midlife yeah Yeah. that we were (laughs) you know kind of you know i don't want to say living our best life but we were definitely having fun we were
0: having fun yeah i wouldn't trade going back for anything right i love where i'm at now and my family and this and that but if you had a day or so it'd be fun to go back i was
3: (laughs) i was gonna say like if you could take the knowledge that you have now yeah and
0: go back for like a weekend would you do it well, I don't think it would be a very fun weekend because I wouldn't do the things that I did <laughs> 20 years ago. Um, you know, but I, I would definitely... There, there's definitely certain things where, like, we did a lot of st- stupid, dumb things, that, like all young people mm-hmm. do. Um, but I would definitely, if I could go back and not have necessarily the responsibility for a day, um, I definitely would do that. Again, I wouldn't do anything dumb or dangerous, but just to kind of live that carefree life and 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 go and just you know whether it's going to myrtle beach right and and just having fun with my, with my buddies yeah you know that'd, that'd be a lot of fun yeah so.
3: it's you know and it's like i i always try to keep things in perspective like with my kids and stuff like you your stress what they're stressing out about like today like i realize it's a big deal to them like at the time but 5 10 15 years down the road. It's going to be so meaningless at at that time. Amen.
0: Talking to Anthony today about seventh grade research, uh, uh, recess football, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I didn't get any passes today. I'm like, "Wow, that's the biggest problem of your day." It's like you're doing pretty good. In in ten years from now, you're going to wish you had seventh grade recess back. Yeah, I was like, "You still have recess in seventh grade?" Yeah. Well, every once in a while. Wow. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you so much. Thank you coming on yeah. but also for everything you do behind the scenes cuz this podcast wouldn't be what it is without you. I love the fact that we're kind of doing this together mm-hmm. and you're the yeah. one behind the scenes making everything look so good. And by the way, I've had it's, so many compliments that maybe you don't hear or see, but people telling me like, "Wow, that the production quality, hmm. the videos, the transitions, the everything is just so yeah. smooth and so thank you." Yeah,
3: yeah, no problem. And it's it's funny that you say it. like my my wife feels like you're like the honorary like seventh member of our family because like in my quiet time or whatever, I might be touching up a podcast here and she'll walk by and see it on the monitor. And she'll be like, "Yeah, you, I feel like Ryan lives with us sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah but I've had a great time for the tree too. Right? She loves it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she loves it. So,
0: well, yeah. thanks again, bud. Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me. So as always, uh, make sure you tune in. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, leave comments, leave suggestions. Send me emails of, hey, any guests you'd like to see, any topics you would like discussed. Send me questions. Um, Jay's, uh, two of his kids have sent me questions, which are always fun to answer. Um, and then other than that, just stay tuned. Have fun, enjoy life, and we'll see you next week. Take care.
1: And, um, basically, uh, always thought medicine was kind of cool from the beginning, but never thought I would actually do it. So I actually, um, you know, went to high school with, um, a year behind Mike Tomlin at Denby high school. Oh
0: my goodness. And yeah, he was a receiver, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And now the coach of, um, Steelers Steelers, and yep. So, um, um, then um, I'm judgmental instead of a perceptive type person. So I will judge things and weigh them too. not being judgmental. Like I'm judging you. I'm not judging you. Um, so don't ever it's think like, that mm, it's Kim's, a whole different.
0: Kim's drinking a glass of wine yeah, on a Wednesday right. night.
1: Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when is she on her second? I'm like, I've been holding off because I'm on camera. Um,
0: <laughs> Jay, you This can pause is a it.
1: fantastic wine. And the next yeah.
0: glass will be even better. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was, I was always an independent contractor. I would never be an employee for anybody. So
0: you were never employed?
1: No. Okay. And I always, so I early on um, developed Masha, Masha Medical LLC. Okay. And I would be an independent contractor. There's cons to that. I was able to do that because I didn't need the benefits. I didn't need the employee contracts and all the things that go along sure. with that. So I had to do my own taxes or we had our CPA do our taxes. So there are cons to that, but the pros are, you can say, I am an independent contractor, you want me, I'm working these two days a week, and that's it, because as a female in this field, um, it's very interesting, Um, you have to give yourself breadth to grow, and and to um, do what you feel you need to do as a female, and I believe there are very real differences between men and women, and there is nothing wrong with the maternal instinct and raising your children and spending the time to do that and saying that's okay i'm gonna give myself that so yes i had all this education but my priority is raising these three human beings and doing the best i can to be there for them first that's our number one job always as and i think mostly as a mom
2: In the outdoors where I'm free Where I spent my time Before I hurt my hip and my knee When that doctor asked me Son, how'd you get in this condition? I says, hey, soft bones I'm just carrying on An old family tradition I want to know, doctor. Tell me all about it, Doc.